Hey gang, what's up? Uh, today, we're going to do uh, something a bit different. Um, I'm going to kind of recommend 12 people who I think uh, have you know, really improved my life um, by being exposed to them. And so I think you know, at least one of them surely will be able to rock your world. So that's the idea. Um, so in no particular order, uh, I've got like a uh, mnemonic device in my head to remember the first letter of each, so we'll just go through them. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I think they're all interesting for different reasons, so I've kind of tried to choose just uh, people who I think are kind of special in some way and of some sort of dank level of novelty or interest. So I hope you enjoy... Um, so here I am as the conduit between you and more in a more enjoyable existence, hopefully. So we're going to begin with Bob Dylan, uh, who I got into, I guess, as a teenager at first. And it's just like levels. Bob, Bob Dylan's like a cult, you know? There's levels. You get deeper and deeper um, or higher and higher. Um, but yeah, like uh, I think on a basic level... Dylan's like Shakespeare, I think, basically. It's like that level. Like he's on the same level as William Shakespeare, probably, I would say. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, very... Of course, the, it's the kind of thing where you have to... You can go look up um, Best of Bob Dylan or just go get a little bit... And he's gone through so many different phases, so many eras. So some of that might resonate more with you than others, but... Um, like I started being really drawn to uh, the acoustic stuff and then started to get more into the electric rock and roll stuff. And then later on, eventually into like, the, oh, Joker Man and like kind of like, you know, more 80s feel or even Ring Them Bells or whatever. Um, and like later stuff even when he's... And he's like 80 now, something, a bit more than 80, I think. Maybe he's still 80. Um, and uh, still he released an album like in 2020, which is, you know, really good, like... Not you know, not all of the songs. I'm like, oh yeah, it's amazing. But it's like, oh, it's pretty good. But there's some songs on there. I'm like, that's an incredible song. And he's, um, yeah. I mean, he's like, if you're not aware of Bob Dylan, you know, you can look him up. But he's generally regarded as one of the most, if not the most, influential artist of um, the 20th century. Um, like, very, you know, he. A lot of people who you would love, music you love they would be inspired by him directly or by someone who was inspired by him. So he's kind of like grandfather figure, you know. Um, but yeah, like, uh, uh, so his music, why do I like it? Well, it's very poetic, um, very poignant. A lot of it deals with kind of like um, an energy of a beautiful sadness, you know, like a, an emotional openness and vulnerability. And it's very, in honesty, you know, there's a, a range. Some of them it's like, you know, protest songs or something you know it's like expressing righteous indignation and um this you know some sort of desire to make progress in the world or you know to um cherish or uplift you know good values or whatever you know the old you know same old thing um but uh, a lot of it is just yeah it's just a, a very has in com um, the common denominator or whatever is um 
very lucid kind of vivid beautiful like imagery um very colorful imagery and you know very um hypnotically engaging use of um poetry basically with music um and the music like you know some very original melodies and chord progressions and like the music sides you know also very good um and you know like a rolling stone was very revolutionary like song writing wise uh and a lot of his stuff was you know um but uh and his voice you know people you know give him shit for his voice but he's he's singing in key almost all the time like some of the records you know he's off a, a bit like he's you know maybe he's you know too much in the source or something but um uh like uh you know it's kind of like a funny meme but it's like people who make fun of Ringo Starr and then apparently my brother was you know in this drumming class and he was like what do we think of Ringo Starr the teacher and then everyone's like ha oh, ha ha yeah you know, it's like we like to make fun of the Omega, you know, and be like, ha yeah, thank God I'm not at the bottom of the pile. Um, if I'm making fun of them, then that means I'm not at the bottom, right? Um, but then the teacher's like, yeah, see, you're all wrong. He's amazing. He's a genius. Like, it's very subtle, but he's an incredible drummer, which you could hear if you, like, listen to uh, She Said, She Said, um, you know. <laughs> It's like to be dead. Great drums. Anyway, but Bob Dylan's a bit like that. Like people like to make fun of the voice, and yeah, whatever, cool. You know, um, who doesn't like to make fun of stuff? But um, yeah, it's actually really good. And like many different um, types of voice, I appreciate. You know, like over time, like he uses different parts. Of, anyway, you'd have to get into it yourself. I won't belabor the point with each of these, but. Um, so, and uh, if you go really deep, I think there's like a mystical, like it's almost like a spiritual teacher kind of thing with Dylan. Like um, there is a, you know, he's not a, per I'm sure he's not a perfect person. There's stories of him being, you know, a bit snarky to people or whatever, you know, like unlike you and me, we don't do that, right? Never, yeah. Um, but uh, But I think, like, you know, he was really young and everyone was like, oh, you're, you're like the, so if, uh, spokesperson for a generation you're like you're like jesus you know and putting all this stuff in him and even more subtle stuff like oh yeah you're you know you're really good aren't you you know and he kind of showed this very and you can look at you know videos look at the san francisco 1965 um interview where the all the press are interviewing him and they're just throwing you know projecting all this stuff on him and just and it's very very interesting like there's this desire to make him into a character or someone that you can understand label him or you know put these things on there for good or bad and he's kind of um curiously for such a young person he's curiously uh immune to it and kind of just being like no like you know i am you know kind of who i am um and kind of uh it seems like there's this spiritual dimension of like uh, a willingness or an unwillingness to label things and a desire, a deep desire, just to be in the present moment, um, and to use language in a way which is communicating a sincerity. But uh, but part part of that is that not necessarily not overreaching with language and saying this is what it is, that's what it is. 
this is what that song means, that's what that song means. But just being like, well, I don't know, it creates an impression. And, you know, people will think like, oh, it's the volcano mind in my brain. The hurricane elves can't explain. I was up and down and round about when the morning curtains did twirls through my mouth. You know, like kind of, oh, it doesn't make any sense. But um, it's a bit more controlled than that. And it's like, but he will, there's ones where he's very specifically, you know, making points with like uh, the lyrics and stuff. But then um, there's a, a lot of the songs, a lot of the really, the great stuff, very good stuff is like, he's kind of got this looser filter. It's kind of like taking, you know, a picture or something with a, a blurry lens or something, or like painting, you know, and without necessarily doing it really um, too much detail. But the, it's kind of like he is able to communicate feelings through just these words with these associations. It's like, what does that mean? Who knows? But it popped up from the unconscious. He had a certain intention, a certain feeling he was feeling. And then he's, um, by not forcing it into words which you know are too small a container for this feeling, he's able to channel something which otherwise you'd have to filter down and you'd miss a lot of it. But you'll get what I mean, I think, if you, if you try it out. So... Um, some great songs I'd recommend. I'm going to play Boots of Spanish Leather, which is one of my favorite songs. I'd also recommend Tomorrow is a Long Time, um, uh, Oh Sister, Joker Man, Like a Rolling Stone, of course, um, Visions of Johanna. Johanna. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's too many really. To Can I give one more? What's an incredible Dylan song? If you want to hear his voice and actually realize, oh, okay, this guy can actually sing. Um, uh, all I really want to do. <laughs> How's it? Uh. That's it. you deny defy or crucify you all I really want to do is baby be friends with you and of course he does a, a better job than that but you get the idea all right so here's a, a little song um, called boots of Spanish leather I guess um I will uh, I'll give just a few tastier of the tastier versus, although they're all incredibly tasty. I'm sailing away my own true love. I'm sailing away in the morning Is there something I can send you from across the seas From the place that I'll be landing 
There's nothing you can send me, my own true love. No, there's nothing I'm wishing to be owning. Just to carry yourself back to me unspoiled from across that lonesome ocean. Oh, I just thought you might want something fine Made of silver or of golden Either from the mountains of Madrid Or the coast of Barcelona But if I had the stars from the darkest night Or the diamonds from the deepest ocean I'd forsake them all for your sweet kiss And that's all I'm wishing to be owning Righto. So that's Bob Dylan. Okay. So we'll give everyone else a, ten a tenth of the time um, that Dylan got. Of course. Um, so, all right. Let's see here. Um, Graham Hancock. So Graham Hancock uh, really uh, blew my mind. Um, one of the first really probably – the first really um, amazing podcast I listened to was a friend of mine, buddy from Canada, Stephen Jarvis. Shout out to the Canadian Steve. Canadian Steve. Um, he, yeah, uh, we're like 20 years old and um, was lying on the floor of his room in freezing Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, and uh, he, uh, I just arrived and he was like, yeah, I think you like this. And I put on this Joe Rogan podcast with interviewing Graham Hancock. And I, I'm really into history, you know. And so, um, you know, Joe begins like saying, yeah, you've changed my view of history like so much, you know. And I was thinking, okay, that's interesting. Uh, does this guy know nothing about history? Possibly. Um, <laughs> no. um, or like, okay, what is it? What's this guy's angle? What's so interesting, What you know. But then by the end of it, I was like, I said to him, I think that just changed my life, that podcast. Which kind of, I think, surprised my friend. But like basically um, – what I like about Graham Hancock, he's a journalist. Um, you know, he doesn't work for like newspapers these days anymore, but he did. He, like he was the East Africa correspondent for The Economist, and you know, so he was like a full-on journalist back in the day. But he's um, last few several decades, he he went from being interested in the you know the current affairs to being interested in the past, and um, so he basically investigates um, ancient mysteries and things that don't make sense um, and little. You know, because um, you have all these with uh, archaeology or history or Egyptology or whatever. You have all these um, experts who are very specialized and they have immense understanding about one particular aspect of things. But the generalists who put everything together—that's a very important thing. And in general, our the way we approach knowledge in this modern scientific world, like you have multidisciplinary or interdisciplinary studies and stuff. But in general, a lot of it is very fragmented um, and like, you know, kind of a mirror as above, so below, a mirror of the way we kind of reductionism and the way we break everything into its constituent parts. So, for example, how we say 
love is just a chemical or a series of chemical processes. It's not, oh, yeah, there's a series of chemical processes and there's a thing called love. It's like, no, no, there's this. Okay, that's all it is. Or, um, you know, um, the under, uh, holistic health, you know, understanding like, no, everything's interconnected. Mind and body are two sides of the same coin, that kind of thing, you know. So something I think that our civilization's learning, you know, and it's, you know, it takes time to learn these things, right? So no worries. But um, anyway, uh, Hancock, uh, he um, is kind of, you know, he he plays a very useful role of kind of, he asks lots of questions and um, he'll be asking a lot of controversial questions and some which are pretty far out and you might go, hmm, make you frown, like, is this guy nuts every now and then? But then, you know, after digging it deeper into him, um, I kind of realized like, no, he's, he just, he asks lots of questions and he's always very reasonable. Um, he, he won't say, oh, this is true. Like he, Almost, I've almost never heard him um, say something where it's like, yeah, this is some fact and then there's nothing to back it up because he j tends to, you know, always operate with questions. Is it possible that this is the case? Da -da -da -da. And so he's kind of probing around um, performing that role of like the generalist who puts things together um, and kind of takes the expertise of others and kind of channels it and combines it. And so he's got a bunch of books, um, Fingerprints of the Gods, uh, Magicians of the Gods, America Before, um, Supernatural, which I think is now called Visionary. He's got some novels too, like which are really good actually. Um, uh, but yeah, so but basically he, the the main thing which blew my mind about him, apart from that, he's a, a lot of good points on like how you know the war on drugs is an exercise in brainwashing. Basically, it's like there's all you know many little angles of things where it's like, huh, interesting, good point, like. Anything bad, for example, there, if you didn't check out my episode on the war on drugs, surrendering the war on drugs, I think it's episode 11, um, then it basically, great point he made is like, for anything bad you can do, we already have laws. Anything bad you can do on drugs, we, are, we already have laws against that. Whether you're sober or on drugs, it doesn't matter. We have a law for it. So why are we adding a law penalizing what you put in your body as an adult? especially since a lot of them affect your consciousness, the way you perceive things. And if the government can control your consciousness and you're not free to explore your own perspective, then what kind of freedom can you really claim to have? Um, and he makes a good argument that that actually is why a lot of these things are. And he, he will kind of frame it as a question, but usually, I think. Um, but that, uh, you know, hmm, coincidence that... Drugs which allow us to work and not ask questions, they're all legal. Cigarettes, alcohol, sugar, coffee, um, alcohol kill, and cigarettes kill enormous numbers of people. But they don't make you question things too much. Um, whereas some other ones which are very healthy and have great medicinal benefits are somehow illegal still um, and don't kill anyone. Uh, so anyway, but he, so I'd recommend, uh, so he, so he gets into all these sort of interesting things, but the main thing is the possibility of a lost civilization. Basically that 12,800 years ago to 11,600 years ago, there's a period called the Younger Dryas, basically when the last ice age was ending, and there's a bunch of cataclysms, and he makes very good uh, cases, bring together a whole bunch of different evidence that uh, there was a, an advanced civilization. We don't know exactly what you know was going on there or how advanced, but advanced enough to, for example, have mapped the world because there are maps of Antarctica from before we discovered it. 
before the modern world discovered it. And those map makers said, we are basing this on older source maps from the um, Library of Alexandria, like old, old stuff. And so it seems like there are these, these and that's just one example, but there are many um, pieces of evidence suggesting that humans were advanced much longer than we have thought. And surprise, surprise, we don't know everything yet. We're still, you know, just like you're going up the mountain. Ah, oh, we'll be there in five minutes. We're nearly at the top. An hour later, oh, <laughs> looks just as far away. So, you know, it's easy to get ahead of ourselves or, you know, count our chickens before they hatch. But I think the wise mind is a humble mind and that says, actually, there's a lot we don't know. We should, if we keep our mind open to the possibility that we're wrong, we will be wrong less often and we will learn things faster. And so I uh, highly encourage you to uh, get into Graham Hancock stuff. He talks a lot about ayahuasca as well and the healing powers of that um, visionary tea or you could call it a drug, but basically it's uh, been used in the Amazon for thousands of years. It's a kind of tea they make um, and it's uh, got incredible um, uh, benefits for like health, psychological and physical, but mostly psychological, Getting helping people overcome addiction, depression, anxiety, all kinds of stuff. So check out Graham Hancock. He's great. Um, and beautiful, very beautiful with his language as well, I should say. Um, and just a very heart-centered person. Um, you know, he's got a certain... Uh, some people... Um, you know, might be put off a bit because certain times you'll get, you know, you know, angry with, uh, there's an angry energy that comes out of like, you know, the, the basically against the forces of um, what he would call, I think fairly reasonably, um, ignorance and suppression of free uh, discourse because there's certain, you know, situations where um, there's been some pretty foul play and dirty tricks going on with like the conversations and character assassinations, people calling him a pseudoscientist and all this crazy stuff. Um, so you can, I can see why, you know, a human being would get angry with that. And maybe if that anger helps someone push through in the darker times to keep going and do the good work. And so long as mostly the vast majority of the time they're, they're centered in their heart as he is. then I think that's something, you know, that's all, you know, there's many people like that, including yours truly. I haven't totally, Transcended anger. So, all right, three. What do we got? Uh, well, Joe Rogan. Okay, so Rogan is incredible. I highly recommend you check out Joe Rogan's podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience. I believe it's the biggest podcast in the world. Um, it's been kind of crazy. I've been following it for like 10 years. So, yeah, since that episode with Graham Hancock in 2011, no, early 2012. I think it started in 2011 um, podcast. And uh, it wasn't that huge. Like uh, not many people, you know, but then, um, so I've kind of seen it like take off. Like I wasn't there at the very beginning or anything, but like it's crazy to see like, whoa, this thing's gotten huge. And it, it totally makes sense because this guy, like again, Rogan is very honest, very direct. He asks uncomfortable questions. He doesn't mind asking, making guests uncomfortable, but in a respectful way. But he, they will try to dodge a question. And, you know, like maybe a normal journalist would go, all right, you've dodged it twice, I'll let you go. He'll be like, but you're not answering the question, you know? And he was just like, oh, Jesus, I'm stuck in this guy's, like, studio. What do I do? I'm on, you know, live internet, whatever. But, um, but again, he's a heart-centered guy. Um, and um, he, yeah, is very curious and likes exploring things very methodically. And he'll have um, all kinds of people, scientists, journalists, politicians, um, uh, you know, um, other podcasters, comedians, because he's a comedian, um, by trade and, uh, you know, 
business people, uh, authors, musicians, all kinds of people, um, MMA fighters, because he's a cage commentator also. So, and he's opened my eyes to a lot of stuff, especially about health um, and the importance of health and the connection between a healthy body and a healthy mind and even just um, a powerful mind, the ability to be uh, wise and to be you know, in the know and um, the body, you must take care of the body. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and many things I've learned so much through that. And it's a great, um, point, you know, to check them out. Like it's a great, they're like three hours long and yet, you know, millions of people are tuning in for three hours at a time, like, um, on the regular. And so it's one of those things where it's kind of like shows you, um, people are actually a bit smarter than you might get credit for from like, you know, uh, certain corners. Um, and it's a great place to find uh, new people, like new podcasts and um, people to check out because they'll often, you know, that'll be like, say, the, probably the biggest show on the planet for like podcasts. So if you get there, you know, it can you know, make a big difference to someone's career or their um, exposure. And so a lot of people try to go there and so you'll find, um, yeah, a lot of cool, cool stuff there. Um, let's see. All right. What else? Uh, Jordan Peterson. So Jordan Peterson, I found out through Rogan. Um, and he's uh, really incredible. Um, uh, yeah, like um, just kind of very straight talking. Um, and he, he's a psychologist. He's a clinical psychologist. Um, her, uh, you know, so he had clients and was doing that, but also like a research psychologist. So he was, you know, running experiments and came up with, you know, I think he had a role in the big five personality scale, which is like some way of measuring personality or whatever but he's just really interesting and he's very very well read he seems like obsessively well read like the kind of person who can't sleep and you know is just reading books all night kind of thing um and uh yeah also well dressed i do appreciate his suits very nice um and uh he uh you know his lectures on youtube are incredible he's like you know lectures up there about like um biblical series like understanding the bible from a psychological point of view and how like a lot of the stories you could say okay you know um maybe it's not true in a literal sense but um in a uh, figurative sense there's th those the stories they have very very powerful lessons in there and so you can say there is truth in there um and uh yeah very 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 interesting uh, he also has, you know, lectures on all kinds of stuff. He talks about totalitarianism, like Nazism and communism and how that all worked and how, you know, that totalitarian system's going to take over. Um, and he uh, took a stand against the restrictions on free speech um, due to, like, gender, um, like, pronoun kind of stuff in Canada where they're trying to compel speech, basically, for the first time ever in the common law country, saying, no, you, it's not just you can't yell fire in a, the crowded theater or you um can't say these words which are offensive to people um but like no you have to use these words you have to call that person that name if they that's what they feel like um and he said well no that's crossing a line that should be um that should not be mandated by law there should be a cult you know individuals negotiating this together um there's no legal basis for this which i believe is correct um and uh, and generally, it would be counterproductive anyway. Like it doesn't bring, it pushes people apart, and it it's just the wrong way to do it. Um, and uh, so that was very that got him, you know, a lot of notoriety and a lot of pushback. And people say he's this awful person. You'll hear, you know, 
a lot of people because and it, I wonder if they've ever actually watched him for more than five minutes because if you hear him you, you find a man who's very sincere very honest and really heart-centered like really wants to help people and millions of people around the world have been helped by him people who are you know on the edge of suicide in the dark depression you know and um a lot of the benefit he's gotten for me and for many other people is just to kind of take responsibility get yourself in order snap out of it stop making excuses it's kind of like that tough love thing like just like just you know but he's there's a kindness there definitely but there's also um this kind of no nonsense thing and i think for a lot of people in the modern world that's we kind of appreciate that not to have everything sugar um, pilled and sugar coated you know so um fascinating stuff very intelligent man very well read you'll probably just by listening to him for an hour you'll encounter a whole bunch of he'll be dropping names of people to read and that'll be you know you could go down some fun pathways of learning there aubrey marcus aubrey marcus uh, again <laughs> through the rogan podcast I came upon him. Um, he's got a podcast, the Aubrey Marcus podcast, and it's incredible. And um, that would be very similar to the Rogan podcast. Like, um, he kind of has a similar nature, like very, you know, direct, um, honest, but he's much more kind of chill, I'd say, and kind of hippie, for want of a better word, than Rogan. And he will be, he'll entertain more like mystical kind of perspectives. Um, whereas, Joe Rogan's a little bit more um, maybe mainstream um, ontologically in terms of the idea of how things work. Or, um, but yeah, or, um, Aubrey Marcus. So if you're into mysticism and like esoteric stuff and like spirituality, the Aubrey Marcus podcast is so much great stuff there, great guests. Um, he talks a lot about um, plant medicines um, and um, all kinds of things that, you know, um, being a peaceful warrior, you know, kind of self, you know, sovereignty and self-development um, and, yeah, health, all kinds of stuff. So, all right, let's see. What else have we got? Um, I think that's four. <laughs> so we're a third of the way there. Um, so what's my uh, mnemonic device again? All right. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Dave Smith. So um, he's a libertarian philosopher kind of guy. He's a comedian, but he's very well read in um, politics and economics and I guess to some extent philosophy. Um, and uh, he um, kind of has a podcast called Part of the Problem, Part of the Problem. And uh, he's really funny, but also, you know, he just really help you understand um, economics and a lot of the kind of misconceptions uh, about the way things work. And um, so he's a great resource for getting deeper into free market capitalism, like um, libertarianism or classical liberalism, which are kind of, or anarcho-capitalism, these kind of terms. Basically the, the idea that the main problem in society is actually the government and that government is made of human beings we love our brothers and sisters, right? Us against them ideology is not a good idea. We're not, we're not here to make anyone an enemy, but we must be honest. Otherwise, we can't identify the problems and make them better. Um, and the fact is, the committers of the worst crimes throughout history have been governments. And the majority of governments throughout history have been oppressive. And at the moment, at present, most of them are oppressive. 
if you look around Latin America, Africa, Asia, Europe, Oceania, sorry, Australia, I'm going to call you Oceania, um, you know, North America, all over the place, uh, the majority of the places, the governments aren't really helping out the people, they're helping out the members of the government and basically have a situation where powerful interests are able to purchase the government's allegiance and make the, change the rules so that they don't have to compete with the little guy on a fair, you know, um, even playing field, but that they can skew the rules in their favor or they can just use outright violence and um, um, the threat thereof um, and fraud just to, to take unfair advantage. So genocides, um, pogroms, um, uh, brainwashing, um, disastrous policies, um, which, you know, uh, ruined, you know, societies. Um, but all, yeah, but specific, the war on drugs, war on terror, blowing up the Middle East, apparently. Oh, no weapons of mass destruction. Well, at least there was some oil. What a coincidence, you know. Um, so, oh, Gaddafi is about to get off of the US dollar and trade you know, a gold-backed currency. So then the US dollar, which is not backed by gold, but is kind of backed by oil, which has value because the Saudis promise in, in return for protection, they will only tr accept US dollars for it. So that keeps the value of the US dollar higher, uh, makes Americans able to live beyond their means. Um, the petrodollar, that can be sometimes cold. Um, oh, what do you know? He gets overthrown really quickly. And apparently Saddam Hussein was doing that. I, I don't know if that's true, but wanted to trade in euros. Anyway, you know, we could go down that if we want, but that rabbit hole. But you get the point that governments uh, throughout history seem to have been the, the main purveyors of um, crime. And uh, Dave Smith does a great job of kind of showing the idea of libertarian philosophy. Basically, libertarianism would be the idea of limited government saying, look, government, there's a few different versions of it, but in a nutshell, it's something like have limited government, or some people would say no government. Personally, I would say for now, we're not ready for that spiritually, um, so we need limited government. But where you've got the government running the military to protect the borders from outside threats, the police to protect property rights, you know, and the rule of law within the state, um, uh, the judiciary to apply the law and check are the police doing the job correctly and you know keep an eye on everyone and then the um, bureaucracy to implement all the whatever there is in the you know paperwork or whatever and the um, politicians or legislators to kind of manage the the creation of new laws um, and I guess you could say the executive um, like managing the whole system but the idea that you should have that and not much more. You know, like you could debate how much more, but at the present, you know, you can barely walk down the street without having to get permission from the government. Think there's so many things where, like, oh, I have to go do this thing. I called someone, they never called back. I have to call them again. This very one-sided power dynamic where um, there's a lot of things where you, I could just do something and I'm not hurting anyone, but there's some crazy rule preventing me. And the idea that um, society would be far more peaceful, prosperous. Um, and uh, yeah, kind of um, happy and, and uh, a better place to live, wiser, kinder people with more opportunities if we kind of shrank the size of the government a bit and that they, for all the free stuff they give, 
they take with one hand, they give back with the other because um, it has to come from our taxes. And that in the process, they waste a lot of that money. And also a lot of it's used on just lighting, running the, um, their offices and the systems. And if you think about it, um, in capitalism, if you're, not doing, if you're not being efficient or if you're not providing value for money, people don't give you their money and you go bankrupt, you disappear. If you do a good job, people give you their money because they go, oh, what you have, I value that more than this 50 quid I have in my pocket. Take my 50 quid, I want that thing. It's more valuable to me. Perfect for me. I have 10,000 of these things. I sell these things. I want your money. That's more valuable to me. And so you have these mutually, mutually beneficial, mutually voluntary um, exchanges and everyone wins. And um, a healthy economy, seems, is just a decentralized network of these um, uh, trades um, en masse. And um, the government should be there just to main, basically to enforce the non-aggression principle, which is the core of libertarian philosophy, which is you can do whatever you want um, so long as you do not aggress upon the body of the, or property, which is an extension of the body, of another. You know, or the life, body, property, you can say this whole kind of one thing, of another being. So, you know, don't restrict their freedom and you can you have total freedom, whatever you want. Um, now, if you do aggress upon another, then they have the right to self-defense. So that's the you know, aggression is only uh, permissible as self-defense. And the, course the government violates the non-aggression principle all the time um and so this is this is the kind you know and hey i keep an open mind so i don't know i think there's a room for nuance you could have a society where it's a little bit socialist like you got the government providing certain safety nets and things that's definitely possible and especially as a transitionary phase while we develop get things in order but it seems very clear that um all the countries that have tried socialism like okay raise taxes and therefore, in order to increase the amount of government spending and government intervention in society and the economy, especially the economy, um, uh, that, that doesn't work. It doesn't get good results. The, the evidence actually shows the opposite. Um, and the argument is made that if we had the freedom that, say, the USA had during that period of the American dream where everyone was this massive upward social mobility, where millions of people were moving from Europe to the to USA – and within a few generations, the kids are like, you know, um, upper middle class, whatever, like that you have this, you know, each generation is um, getting able to have better opportunities um, because basically they weren't being taxed at all, but they weren't getting anything for free from the government. But the idea that that created a, a prosperous, uh, healthy society, um, that if we had that kind of 19th century freedom with 21st century technology, we would see prosperity that like the likes of which we've never seen before. So in a nutshell, Dave Smith does a much better job than me of laying these things out and going into little details of all kinds of stuff. And I think it's very interesting. Even if you don't subscribe to that idea, I think um, if you're intellectually honest, you know, it's a great thing to check it out. At a bare minimum, you'll see what the wrong people think and be able, better able to prove them wrong in conversation. Um, or perhaps you will learn a, th a thing or two. They go, okay, you're mostly wrong, but I, that's a good point. That's a good point. Okay, you can improve your perspective um, and free yourself of a, a few illusions. Or you might find like, like I did, like, holy God, like this is a huge change of perspective. Like, oh, I was really, I was actually mistaken about a bunch of things. Like, interesting, minimum wage. Ah, oh, interesting. I can see how that actually takes away jobs from the poorest people. Uh, it's like backfires. Um, Want to know how that works? Look up Dave Smith, minimum wage. 
I'm sure he'll explain it better than I can. So I think it's time for a light. It's a bit dark in here. Yeah. All right. So wrapping this up. So that's uh okay. E Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart Tolle. Um, here I'll cover that light with my man bun, more or less. Um, so uh, he is a you could call a spiritual teacher. You could call a man. You could call a man who um, lives in the present moment. Um. So he basically talks about this shift of consciousness that is happening to a small number of human beings on the planet, but it seems to be increasing very quickly. Um, and I've experienced it to some extent, and I'm trying to make it happen more, which is the shift into peace. So stop running a million miles an hour, spinning your wheels, always thinking about the past and the future or some imaginary time of like, oh, just lost in your thoughts. But um, all of which are a sort of uh, virtual reality simulation running, you know, behind your eyes. And someone says, "Jamie, Jamie, huh? What? Oh, sorry, I was I was lost in thought. You know, where where is that? You know, and basically you're in your mind. And he talks about, in a nutshell, how time and mind are two sides of the same coin, and that you can access true peace which is only possible through exiting um, your mind you need to, you can learn to use your mind so but basically you access this space this silent space of pure consciousness pure presence um, and uh, you are able to rest and settle and uh, you're just physically here physical presence you're just you and your th in three-dimensional reality just sitting here or doing whatever you're doing or driving your car and you actually see it you're physically you see what's going on you're like oh, okay here i am you don't need to label things mentally and this might not make sense i guess it is it definitely won't make sense until you experience this shift and he can teach you how to do that um and many other people too but his book the power of now is incredibly practical uh, for getting that done and he's got YouTube videos and all that um, but he's you know very funny guy he's always kind of laughing and good, good humored um, but uh, very profound um, if you're struggling with negative emotions or feeling frustrated or unable to kind of activate your your potential I highly recommend like um, you get into him the only time I don't re recommend Eckhart is if I think people aren't ready for it. Like, oh, no, you're going to think he's too crazy. He's too far out. But, like, you'll get there eventually, you know. But, um, but yeah, I think everyone should read The Power of Now in, like, school. That would do wonders for society. Because, you know, you don't need to have exactly his point of view, but he's pointing at, and he's not saying, believe what I'm telling you. He, one of the things he's saying is, like, you know, you don't, don't be attached to any of the words. I'm just, they're just pointers, you know. It's like that Buddhist thing, you know, don't mistake the moon for the, for the finger pointing at the moon. So words are just pointers. Like they're just trying to communicate, like direct your attention to reality. But reality is here and now. It's all around us. Um, and we have all these words, which are symbols, whether it's a visual symbol of ink, lines and curves of ink, 
on a page or a verbal symbol, which is a vibration, which I put into the microphone, goes into your ear. Your brain has learned to, if you speak English, your brain has learned to interpret that as certain meanings. If you speak, you know, Portuguese, then you might be confused unless, you, you know, you're learning both. Then, uh, well done, uh, Lucas, good job. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yes, um, basically uh, it's all about accessing the power of now. So becoming present, you know, not getting distracted by the future, what's going to happen, oh, my God, or the past, oh, that happened. Just be here now and just learn to you know, feel your breath, you know, maybe put your attention into your breath or your body or something, the now to anchor it so that you can get outside of the stream of thoughts and you can start to, the crucial thing is remain aware of your thoughts. And then your, that awareness is actually the space or silence around the thoughts and even within and behind the thoughts. In a weird way, the thoughts are made of that silent awareness, just like the waves are made of the ocean. Like the, the, the form of the wave is made from the formless ocean. Um, and so this is basically um, sanity 101, is how to be properly sane. And the planet is basically insane. On um, There's a spectrum between totally schizophrenic and like a Buddha, and most people are not um, sane, including myself, which is a crazy and humbling thing to have to um, acknowledge. But I, I do think acknowledging it makes you saner and that... Um, you know it's a journey and we can embrace the beauty of the journey even if it's hard at times so yeah Eckhart he's great uh, A New Earth is another really good book by him it's, that gives it more of a general perspective about this evolutionary the evolution of the mind and how humans are not turning into AI robots so that's what some people want but the real evolution is an uh, evolution of consciousness and that where the body has evolved to this point maybe it will change a bit more but basically we have the ability to transcend the old way of thinking, which is bound in with the monkey mind of approach and avoid and just trying to control other people and perceiving ourselves as separate, us against them, you know, and kind of becoming aware of the oneness of all things and that, oh, I'm a branch on the tree of life. We're all the same thing. And, um, and so that brings enormous peace, clarity, and humor. Um, <clears throat> so speaking of humor, let me drink some water. Okay, uh, Alex Jones. Ooh, uh, you know, Alex Jones says some crazy stuff. <clears throat> but if you look at the things people like 20 years ago were like, you know, if you can even listen to him, he's been censored. He was the first person to be, person to be censored, I think, the first big person online, and everyone let it happen. And then, oh, and then now everyone else is being censored. Okay, it's like, they, first they came for the communists, and I did nothing because I wasn't a communist, that kind of thing. Um, but um, he's got a good heart also. And, um, uh, you know, like Jordan Peterson or Graham Hancock, um, sometimes they will allow that energy of anger to come out. And, you know, I don't really operate that way. I'd be more like Eckhart kind of thing, like, yeah, oh, I don't think you need that, or Aubrey Marcus, you know. But I, can, I think it takes all kinds to make a world, and so I think, you know, I can accept that people could have that out, that stream of anger sometimes, and it doesn't automatically mean that they're an angry person or that they're a bad person. But mostly uh, Alex Jones, from what my understanding, is he'll just be talking about things kind of in a more neutral way. It's crazy things, but emotionally he doesn't seem like he's angry. But then sometimes he'll definitely get angry. And it's kind of, geez, this guy's out of control. Like he's out of his mind, you know? Now, um, he, you know, I don't know how much of the things he says are true. 
there's a lot of stuff which is just sounds totally crazy but you look at his track record the things i was like okay 10 years ago like this guy's that can't be true an enormous amount of that has been proven correct and it's crazy the things that are happening now and like like all the lockdown stuff and all the, the you know wef uh, world economic forum and like um all kinds of you know transhumanism or all these kinds of um yeah crazy things like a lot of nuts things where people go that would never happen that's a conspiracy theory then it happens and they're like well yeah of course that's normal <laughs> you know it's like but you're moving the goalposts do you have memory problems or an honesty problem you know um because it's like you said the opposite you said that was crazy very recently and now you're saying justifying it so it seems some people unfortunately are not comfortable with um admitting uh, government malfeasance or the malfeasance of anyone who has power over us almost like a stockholm syndrome thing maybe it's too um too much to take the idea that people who have power over us might be not acting in our interests and so they'd rather bury their head in the sand um, which doesn't actually work but it you know of course it's like a thing like you know kids I, oh if i can't see you you can't see me that kind of thing you know so obviously we do it at some level but I think, um, uh, yeah, with the Alex Jones thing, I can understand a lot of people would think, no, that's just totally ridiculous. But I think um, it's really worth, I think, um, paying attention. Like, I don't really pay attention to him that often, but I think maybe I should more often because he will say things where it's like, okay, I don't need to believe all this, but then maybe some of these things I might go, mm, interesting, that seems more plausible, and I can look into it. Um, or just to be aware of what the possibilities are. Like, I mean, I can just reject all of it if I want. But it's useful to be aware of what he is saying, given that he has been correct about a lot of things in the past. Um, and, but yeah, so I think he is kind of ridiculed, but he's a good example also, apart from just of like, oh, okay, actually, some of the more far out stuff of like, what are we going to find out in 10 years? Like, do we know all the secrets? Like many secrets have been revealed over the last 10, 20 years. And many crazy things have been done openly, um, which we thought would never happen. Um, and so is that, oh, it's all done. Like we know everything, all the secrets are out and all the crazy things we thought would never happen are now norm have been normalized. Okay. Finished. Mm, I don't think so. There's probably more coming, right? More down in the pipeline. And so it'd be good to be aware of that in advance to kind of cut, um, cut it off, uh, or address it as, in a, as healthy a manner as possible. And so I think people like Alex Jones, you know, um, they get a bad rap, but they offer a, a useful and uh, role of um, even if they're t totally wrong about 90% of the stuff, which doesn't seem like they are, but um, then at least, you know, or like, you know, some stuff where you're like, oh, that's totally wrong. How could he say that? doesn't mean you need to reject everything else. Like it's people are not perfect, but you can use them as sources for your own research. So I would say he's very useful for that as, um, you know, a kind of far out person to kind of think about and kind of open your mind as to because he also has a lot of facts he will mention things like operation northwards you know the gulf of tonkin incident all these false flags where the u.s intentionally got into wars by lying to the public um and these are facts or you know the agent provocateurs at the world trade organization thing in seattle or where he showed you know oh they were wearing military grade boots smashing up windows and that they'd shown like oh they were doing that so that they could bring in violent um the claim that the protests were violent and shut them down um, so there's all kinds of stuff like this. So I'd recommend that. Um, 
I wouldn't say endorse and believe everything he says. I would not recommend that. But I would recommend keeping an open mind and listening to Alex Jones. Um, all right. Then um, where does that get us? To uh, Brand. Russell Brand. Yeah, Russell Brand is kind of like also will open your mind like Alex Jones but less extreme. Like he will kind of be more like, okay, I don't know if it's just that he is, um, doesn't believe in his, all the things that Alex Jones believes about, like, say, global elites taking over the world and whatever, or Alex Jones, you know, say some crazy stuff, stuff that seems crazy to the mainstream, I mean, you know. Um, but uh, Russell Brand will kind of, is a bit of a bridge, I think. Like, he will kind of tie it to things that resonate with a lot more people, like, you know, how, like, this is classism. And, you know, he's got that, you know, Oh, lower class English accent, haven't I? You know, so it's you know, money, power. You know, blah blah blah. I can't really do his accent, but um, he does a great job of like kind of tying it. He's also very spiritual. Like he, you know, is aware of this oneness of all things, and you know, he's on the road to you know his own awakening. Um, and so he off does a great job of tying it in a very peaceful, calm way, and with a lot of humor. You know alerting you to all kinds of crazy stuff about the machinations of power and unconsciousness in this world. People who are not aware of the oneness of all things or who are willingly, willfully ignorant of it. And um, he, Russell Brand, does a great job of like bring like, you know, the Canadian truckers convoy, you know, that kind of stuff. Like I was getting stuff from him where I couldn't see anywhere, you know. And so he's a really good, just for pure news, like he keeps you up to date with a lot of really good stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'd say it's a bit milder than some of the stuff. He doesn't talk about everything, but he does um, yeah, a very good job of like in a peaceful, sweet way, kind of um, keeping us, finding that balance between, ooh, spooky stuff happening in the world and the humor and the love to, which we need to kind of be grounded in if we are to um, not just deal with these things without freaking out, but also to find healthy reactions like um solutions so okay all righty so uh time's running out so we're gonna the present moment is running out oh my god newsflash present moment runs out um so let's hop along here um uh yeah okay and then uh wim hof uh the great wim hof the ice man from the netherlands uh, who's broken you know thirty odd word records and uh, basically um, pushed the limits of the human body and changed the literally had to rewrite the book like medical textbooks um, as to the possibilities of the human body because he's done things which were t we believed were not possible. Basically, his method involves breathing. That's the main thing, you know, like um, breath work. And so that just that alone, you could look him up and check out that the Joe Rogan podcast with there's two of them, or I think maybe there's more now, but maybe just two, but the first one, especially, I think, you know, but the second one's great too, but the first one, you just get, you get a lot of, even that would be enough. You can watch shorter ones on YouTube of him talking about things and he's got his own app and, you know, instructors and courses he runs. Um, but you, he's a really funny guy, really cool guy. Um, and he's, uh, yeah, very like heart centered and, and beautiful. Um, and he kind of um, talks about how the breath can, you know, transform your life. So, but there's three pillars to his method. There's um, breath work, cold exposure. So you can take 
cold showers um, or maybe begin it cold and then put it on hot and then cold again at the end or just hot and then cold just at the end or whatever. I do beginning cold, um, then put it to hot and then end cold. Um, or you can do proper ice baths and you know sea swimming and things. Um, but that triggers a lot of processes. Both of these, the breathing and the cold exposure, transform your physiology in ways that are very good for your psychology, basically. And so he's offering a, a kind of physiological route to awakening and um, health, happiness, strength, you could say peace. Um, so that's really great. I highly recommend that. Um, Rupert Sheldrake, he's this scientist, Dr. Rupert Sheldrake, who um, really amazing, very softly spoken, but he basically he um, follows, as far as I can tell, and I've you know watched a lot of his stuff. He is a very rigorous scientist, you know, following the scientific method. But he he has a great video called the Ten I think Ten Dogmas of Modern Science, and he basically points out that modern science is not as scientific as we would be led to believe, um, and that in fact um, there is a lot of dogma and like oh telepathy. Oh, there's evidence for telepathy. Pfft, I don't need to read those studies. There's no way. That's not possible because of ABC. Like, well, if you're sure, why don't you read the study? No, no, that's okay. Like apparently, people like Stephen Pinker were like saying to him, like, "Oh no, his position was, you know, I don't need to read that because it's not possible." But Rupert Sheldrake's point as well, like the pattern throughout history, is that we have our ideas of what's possible, and science teaches us, like, you know, trial and error and evidence and experiments teaches us. And here's a lot of stuff about telepathy, morphic resonance, the idea of that things evolving through a kind of non-physical memory fields, these blueprints which kind of help things evolve. Um, very interesting stuff, but like uh, you, I think you will find, uh, apart from the telepathy thing, there's a bunch of uh, things where it's very interesting to hear that the experiments he's done and, you know, or be things he's other people have done but he's aware of and... Um, kind of, yeah, like expand your idea of what's actually possible a bit and maybe um, draw attention to the fact that science is not perfect. Um, the scientific method is perfect when you understand that it's limitations, but that scientists are only human after all. And they have this ego, careers, um, selective um, uh, information or, um, you know, these kinds of things, biases. Um, finally, um, who do we have? M, what does M signify again? Uh, oh yeah, McKenna, cool. Terence McKenna, um, just for his use of the English language, incredibly beautiful, lucid, flamboyant use of English. He is like a psychedelic adventurer. He's passed away now. His brother's still with us, Darren, Dennis McKenna. He's very cool. Um, and uh, kind of um, a botanist. And But, but um, Terence, though, you know, he's a bit wild, some of the things. Like, again, it's like, a lot of things he would say, I'm like, I don't know if that's, I wouldn't believe everything he says, but I think he makes a lot of really incredibly good points um, and um, really opened up my mind a lot and also encouraged me with his, his beautiful um, kind of uh, mischievous, mischievously um, adventurous use of English really encouraged me to open my mind. And, um, and I think, yeah, uh, he has a lot of good things to say about psychedelics, um, although perhaps, you know, like, yeah, he's a bit of a wild man, so um, within balance there. But um, so, yeah, these are 12 people who, 12 souls, I believe, um, you will or may or could dig. And um, so I hope that's useful. And uh, 
uh, that's it for now. So I'll see you next week. Peace and love, brothers and sisters.